Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, and on Instagram at Kristen Esser. I've got my cup of iced tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 32. Welcome back. I'm back in the recording closet in the cool of morning because it's been so hot here. I got smart this time and I have made myself a glass of iced tea. (laughs) Is it iced tea or iced tea? I'm not exactly sure which is the correct way, but uh, I may be a little bit of a snob about my hot tea with my loose leaf and all that, but I drink just the absolute (laughs) bottom of the barrel cheapest iced tea ever. I really should make some decent quality iced tea. I just buy the Lipton cold brew and I make it a quart at a time in a mason jar. And uh, it's just more about having something fun to drink that's that's cool, um, that's not just water. So that's a much better choice for me today. So here we are. We are in the depths of summer, or for you uh, Southern Hemisphere, some, some, let me see if I can say that, Southern Hemisphere people, the depths of winter. And are we all getting just a little sick of whatever season we're in. I mean, I love summer and I don't wish it to be over, but um, it's hot and it makes me feel lazy. And that, uh, that's like the theme of my life right now is I feel a little lazy and unmotivated. So it's almost like I didn't want to record a podcast because I'm just like, what have I done? I just, I'm just still sort of mentally in vacation mode because even though I work, um, part-time from home. So I like almost seems like never get to leave the house. I've got these, you know, uh, semi-adult children just laying around the house all day. (laughs) So it just feels, it feels like vacation. Um, back to school is coming. Um, it for two, it's in two weeks for my high schooler. So they, he goes back, um, I don't know, like in the early twenties of August, which seems really early. Although on Instagram, I'm seeing people like they have these back to school photos on August 1st. I was shocked. I didn't even know that was a thing that people went to back to school. So early, where, where were the days? Where are the days that uh, you go back to school after Labor Day? I, I, I wish for those days. Now, I kind of have that because my uh, two college kids are in the University of California system. It's a quarter system. So they go back really, really late, like at the end of September. And I mean, I think school starts, I don't know, like in the 28th or 29th of September. It's crazy. So they still have plenty of, uh, of summer ahead of them, and which is good because... Um, my middle son, uh, Jonah, he is going to be moving into an apartment. You know, he was in the dorms the first year. So, uh, you know, we're kind of talking about, you know, what kind of kitchen stuff he's going to need. We're talking about things, uh, meals that he can make at home. I'm like, I made a really, I love making stir fry. I make kind of an involved stir fry. It's like the, the kitchen sink goes into it and he loves it. He loves, he loves all Asian food. And um, so I was like, you know, if you, you can just go to Trader Joe's and buy a like a frozen bag of stir fry vegetables so you don't have to like buy all these things. And I think he'll do stuff like that. So we just need to start talking about how he can feed himself. We've had kids cook nights since he was in fifth grade, which would make him about 10. We've been having kids cook night for nine years where they take turns cooking on Sunday nights um, for this exact reason. So that when they left the house, they would be able to fend for themselves. And 
I'm going to assume that they have assimilated more than is showing up right now because <laughs> I kind of feel like, have you learned nothing? But I'm sure they have. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but I'm kind of excited about that. I remember when Chloe moved into her apartment, we went to Goodwill and got her some, you know, four glasses and four forks and, you know, that kind of stuff um, just to have enough stuff to, uh, you know, you have your own things to use in the, in the kitchen at the apartment. So we need to do the same thing for Jonah and we've got plenty of time, but I'm thinking this now's a good time to start thinking about that. Um, what else has happened? Um, my friend Minky moved. Now you may know Minky Zeriano, Minky Kim. She, uh, lives, uh, lived down the street from me and we wrote a book together and we became friends because, um, when I was walking my now rising junior in high school to fifth grade at the elementary school at the end of our street I was walking him to school and uh, I saw that this new family had moved in and there was a sewing machine in the window and I said I'm going to be friends with that lady we were just talking about this the other day my son and I and uh, we became friends we wrote a book <laughs> and um, I even though we didn't get together as much as we should have just because it's so easy to think oh we can do it any time you know there were lots of days where she would text me and say are you sick of your house come on down I'll make you a cappuccino or I'd say come on down um, you know I'll make you a cup of tea and uh, we we met weekly when we were working on the book and it was just great it was great to have a friend on the street and um, so she just moved across town um, so, but it's just, uh, it just makes me sad. Every time I walk by that house, there's the, the new people are like completely gutting it right now. And it just, it makes me sad, but, um, I'm going to go visit her hopefully this week in her, in her new digs, um, where she just got back from filming tutorials at the fat quarter shop. And I'm super excited for her and to, to see how those, uh, you know, come out. So let's talk a little bit about quilting, but first, um, thanks to the fat quarter shop for sponsoring this podcast. The Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, and notions. And do you know that they now carry cross-stitch supplies? This month, you can get 20% off Blossom by Christopher Thompson, who is, as I'm sure you know, the tattooed quilter for Riley Blake. I just bought five yards of Blossom for a quilt back and binding, and I think it's so perfect. I'll talk about that more in the quilting segment. Fat Quarter Shop carries all major brands like Moda, Riley Blake, Wyndham, Robert Kaufman, and Art Gallery, and they've got the largest selection of Fat Quarter bundles anywhere. Whatever fabric, pattern, or notion you're looking for, chances are they have it. Visit them at fatquartershop.com. And as always, I'll put a link in the show notes. I have been a rather uninspired quilter this summer, and I think it's just because it's hot and I'm kind of just putting my creative energy into other things right now. I haven't stopped quilting, um, but I just have a little less to report than usual. But one thing I do want to talk about is uh, last episode, I talked about this scrap quilt I made from a Bonnie Hunter pattern. It's a, it's a chaining quilt. And um, I had a bit of a emotional complex about it because I thought, oh, this was before I had really cute scraps. <laughs> but um Actually, it's kind of fun to look at because there are some real doozies in there. And, you know, when you look at the quilt as a whole, it's very pretty. Um, and so I'm going to uh, give this to a family member. And that's why I guess I was having an emotional crisis about it. I'm like, is it good enough? But I've talked to some people and I, I think it's good enough. But I have struggled for the longest time to come up with the right backing fabric for it. One thing that I like about it is that a lot of the fabrics are... Um, 
they're darker and they're not really girly. It's not, I'm not saying that there's no flowers or anything, but a lot of my scraps now are a little girlier. It's a lot of, you know, that um, pink and red and aqua, you know, like the whole Bonnie and Camille kind of look, even though I don't sew a ton with that anymore. But, you know, a lot of my fabrics have that kind of, um, that kind of color scheme, which I don't know. So sue me. I think skews a little feminine, but I have a lot of these darker ones. Um, a lot of it is I was into Civil War reproductions when I first started quilting. So that kind of gives it a different vibe. And I think that's good for this family member that I'm giving it to, but I could not figure out what to do on the back. It seems like anything would work on the back because you have all these gazillion squares in there. But every time I went, okay, how about this? I would think, no, that's not right. So I literally went to the the Fat Quarter Shop um, website and their basic for the month, as I just said a few minutes ago, is Blossom by Christopher Thompson, which um, is kind of a solid, but it has these um, cute little, little like, they're like little flowers, but a little bit on the abstract side. I think if I remember correctly, they're, they're white and they only have like four little dots that kind of make up the flower and they are scattered asymmetrically through the fabric, which I really like. And um, so what I ended up finding is a uh, blue called denim. So it's like, it's a, a darker medium blue. It's not a navy. Um, cause there's a lot of white on the front of this quilt. So, um, I didn't want something super dark. My daughter wanted me to go like red. Um, so what I ended up doing is I did the, the denim on the back of, of the blossom. And then I bought a red, bought a half yard of red for binding kind of a, um, I want to say darker brick red, almost a bur a little bit to the burgundy side, not a bright red. Um, and again, and, and I had a, um, some Moda grunge that was that color. So I kind of held it up and said, like, is this going to work as a binding? I think it will. And I just, as much as I love a pieced back, I often lose my mojo <laughs> on backs. And I don't want to take the time. I'm like, I am in the home stretch. I want to finish this off. So I have um, purchased that. That actually should be arriving today. So I just need to like sort of... Um, so that, you know, my two pieces together to make the back end of that quilt about plenty. I actually bought enough of the denim that I could also um, bind it in the denim, you know, and I, I, have, I don't think I've ever done that. Maybe once I've done that where I've done, I've bound it in the same as the back end, and that's kind of a good look too. So I can go either way and I'll be happy to have whatever leftovers in my, in my stash of that fabric. I think it'll be very useful. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to have it long-armed. Um, again, I'm going to use the um, Sewing Blue Deanna Cezano, who did my Irish chain quilt. And um, I've already picked the motif, I think. Um, again, I didn't want to do anything too florally um, because it's going to, I mean, it's going to my, it's like my brother's family, but I think of it as like, it's, this is the quote from my brother. So I wanted it to be a little bit more masculine, but I think I found one that is a, um, like a paisley, a paisley motif. So I'm really excited. Um, you know, I think I might be getting a little addicted to this quilting by check idea. I've always had this whole thing that I finished my own quilts and that was actually, uh, my motivation for buying my Juki is it's got that big um, throat space, right? But um, sometimes it just, it's nice to, you know, I really, I love the piecing and I, I can't even imagine doing the quilting right now because it's just hot and to have that like flung over my shoulder. You know, someday I would love to get a long arm. I just don't know if that is ever really going to happen. I wish there was a place where I could rent long arm time, long arm time. I cannot talk today. Um, 
you know, so that I could just go use it. I would be happy to, um, you know, pay the $25 an hour as opposed to, you know, paying $10,000 for a long arm. But that is not to be right now. So that, um, I'm excited about that. And that um, might just get me, you know, I love doing the binding and that'll, that'll be fun. I'm, uh, I also started um, my Rooftop Wonders quilt. I've been talking about it forever, so I'm sorry, but I've actually started uh, sewing it. And it's, I didn't really think about how it was constructed. It looks like an improv quilt. It is br brilliantly constructed with um, a large rectangular block that you uh, just place. Like sometimes you can place it, um, you know, just like the normal way. In other places, you can flip it upside down. You can place it vertically, like two in a row versus two horizontal. And you, she has, you lay it out in, you know, all these sort of random ways so that it, it even though it's the same block, you would never know it. But there are places where there's lots of little one inch squares in a row. And I'm realizing it's that thing where sometimes things look so beautiful and attractive and you think that it's because there's this um, kind of random assortment of colors. But really, I think a lot more thought goes into that color scheme than than you think so I'm what she has you do is strip piece these long you know one and a half inch strips together and then you're going to sub cut them to give you this little channel of one inch what finish at one inch little squares I hope that's making sense but I'm realizing as I'm sewing these together I'm like I am not loving the colors how these are colors are playing I was tr I was trying to do it rather randomly and I am just not a random person so I'm going to do a little picking out and get it so that I'm kind of in love with that that string of I think it's 11 little squares in a row um and I and I definitely uh, yeah I just need to play around there's some like a, a yellow and a baby blue in there that I just go oh it just says it's not working for me so it's been an interesting quilt to um to get going on because I thought okay I'm gonna make a block tonight but there's a lot of strip piecing and sub cutting uh, ahead of time before you can really start putting those the block together and I think that um they're going to come together very quickly once once that happens. But it's just, it's a lot. It was a lot of cutting. Um, I've got post-it notes everywhere. You know, to, like there's probably 15 different size strips, you know, with this whole assortment of, of neutrals and stuff. So it's it's a little complicated, but I'm, I'm having fun with that. And I'm happy to get it going. Um, I know that my son, Ben, who this is for, is going to be so excited to have a quilt that is more like him at... He'll be 17 next month than when I made him his original quilt when he was like nine. <laughs> so just more, more his taste. Um, I'm also continuing to work on my kinship blocks that 100 days, 100 blocks. I'm only doing a couple a month, uh, kind of quilting along with a, a fat quarter shop. And so I'll be posting one of those um, tomorrow on August 9th. And uh, those are fun. You know, I'm just kind of plugging along um, trying to master foundation paper piecing which is absolutely not a thing that's in my wheelhouse I'm getting better I'm not going to say that I love it because I don't know that I do but I'm hoping I'll love it by the end and um, what else it's just a bunch of random stuff my um, in the shade block went up on the Moda Bake Shop for the summer quilts along. Um, less people complained about that block than the people who complained about my um, that my summer sun block, which had like these three inch drunkard's path, 16 three inch drunkard's path block to make this uh, 
sunblock. A couple people did it differently, did it with half square triangles. People got really um, inventive to get away from doing the curves. And then some people uh, just use less curves. And, you know, frankly, I liked some other people's blocks better than mine. But uh, but that's been fun. And if you're not a part of that uh, Moda Bake Shop Bakers Facebook group, oh my gosh, just the, the color schemes that people are using for this summer quilt along, I'm just totally inspiring. People are so creative and, and a lot of people are just sort of taking the original block and doing some crazy things. My um, in the shade block is, a, it was a very simple block and, and kind of both of mine are a little bit more on the abstract side for, you know, sort of beachy themed things. So the center had a pinwheel. I'll put a link in the show notes. You've probably maybe already seen it. Um, a pinwheel in the center, which is to represent an umbrella. And then there's a there's a square around it that's your beach blanket and a square around that, which is your sand. And um, the corners are um, blue for the ocean. And some people had the cutest fabric, like the, the sand fabric um, for uh, this one woman had little, she had a uh, little starfish fabric on that was on tan so we I mean, it totally looked like sand and same thing i someone else used that same starfish fabric in blue for the ocean and so you know people are having a lot of a lot of fun with it super cute um i am still thinking about how i want to hand uh, quilt my hand piece quilt along quilt i am so dragging my feet on that last time i talked about how i wasn't happy with my baptist fan motif and I, I ripped it all out and soaked the marks out. So now I'm playing with two other ideas. One is, I don't know if you follow um, Sunny Day Supply. Um, she has the, uh, it's a shop um, and they have a lot of Japanese fabrics and she does um, not 100% always my style I, because that's not really necessarily my thing, but I appreciate looking at it. But she uses a lot of Japanese fabric and she uh, she does some hand piecing and also a lot of hand quilting. And her style, I think her name is Mary, Mary Dugan and she has her personal account too, but I see most of this on Sunny Day Supply where she takes um, black thread you know, a hand quilting thread. So I'm assuming it's, you know, a little heavier and, um, and quilts like kind of, you know, like the, the Japanese style feed sack type looking fabrics, um, with black thread. Um, and often just, you know, um, just the running stitch a quarter inch away from your seam lines kind of look, you know, kind of simple, simple hand quilting, but there's something about the black thread that just really makes it pop and it sounds like it would be really harsh but it's not it's very charming now the downside for me is that I almost always want to hide my <laughs> my quilting with a blending thread because you know obviously if it's in black you're going to see the consistency of stitches the consistency of your straight lines all that kind of stuff um, so that might be a little bit of a stretch for me but I you know have now learned it's not a big deal to rip it out so I'm going to use some Aurafil you know, I have a number of heavier weight Aurifil threads from when Minky and I um, did so illustrated because she tended to use the um, 28 weight, 40 weight and 28 and even 12 weight. So I think I have those in, if not black, at least a very dark brown. So I'm thinking about that. Um, I was also listening to um, the Off Kilter Quilt today. She just finally dropped a new podcast episode. That's Frances over there. And she was talking about how she had um, hand quilted this... Uh, reproduction um, pinwheel quilt and that she did spiral hand quilting and I'm pretty sure that she just I don't know if she marked it or not I will have to ask her I kind of feel like she kind of improv it and 
that would give the same feeling that the um, the Baptist fan idea was going for me because you know the um, the handpiece quilt on quilt it's in um, 1930s reproduction fabrics and um, you know it's all very geometric there's it's very traditional you know there's no curves it's all straight lines so so I thought that um, curved quilting would be very nice which is where I was going with the Baptist fan but maybe just spirals and she you know was saying how much she just really enjoyed that and I thought okay maybe I'll try that so those are two things that I'm gonna um, play with when I start to be a little bit more inspired to uh, to be sewing but I do need to get behind the sewing machine probably today and do my next couple of my uh, the, those kinship blocks and that's about it I just feel like um, it's just a bunch of random little stuff I'm not knocking out quilts I, I kind of think that I'm just in this lazy frame of mind and this is going to continue until people are back at school and things cool down and we get back into a little bit more of a of a normal rhythm. So I'm just going to sort of embrace this lazy vacation feel because, you know, it's a season and it's going to be over too soon. On the knitting side of things, I was going to be so excited to tell you that I finally finished that sock that I've been working on for like six months, but I still need to just close the toe. To, if you're a knitter, I need to kitchener the toe together and that will be that. Will be that. But, uh, you know, I, it's funny that little thing to close that toe. I have to look it up every time and I have to chant um, this little thing to get me into the rhythm of it's like, you know, pearl, pearl, knit, knit, pearl, pearl, or, you know, something like that. I can't even remember. I have to look it up every time. And so I put off doing it. And in fact, closing that toe takes approximately two minutes. <laughs> And yet I have put doing that off for like six months sometimes. It's crazy. So I just need to to finish that. And I am kind of knitting some um, of the dishcloths, you know, just completely utilitarian, not cute, but we are definitely um, going through our old ones. So just kind of, you know, continuing with that. I'm kind of hoping that I'll feel a little bit more knitting inspiration when the fall hits. And we talked before about doing maybe a little dishcloth knit along um, for those people who are just you know, kind of interested in learning the basic stitches that this particular, uh, my grandmother's favorite dishcloth um, pattern that I use a lot teaches all the basic things, actually no purling, which is good, but you need, you cast on, you do, you knit, you learn how to do an increase and a decrease. And, um, that's all there is to it. And, uh, so there was a little bit of interest before I never did anything about. So if you are interested in kind of learning to do a, uh, basic, some basic knitting, with cotton yarn that you can buy at Michael's or Joanne for like $2. You can get two dishcloths out of it. It's kind of, it's a very low um, risk way to learn how to do knitting. So, you know, let me know if you'd be interested in that. Let's talk a little bit about books and what I've been reading, which is not a lot. Again, I'm so lazy right now. I'm still just completely crawling along reading The Clockmaker's Daughter. Um, I'm enjoying it. I finally got past the point of it being boring. It's just that um, I'm out and about a lot with the kids and I just just have not felt like reading much. But I have been listening to some audiobooks. Again, I'm so boring. I just keep listening to um, my favorite Louise Penny books. Um, glass houses and a great reckoning while I am sewing or, or doing gardening, things like that, because I, I've already read them. And so it's kind of fun to just revisit those friends. And, and if I don't finish it, which I often don't be by the time it's due, um, I don't really care because I know how it ends. And again, I'm doing all that through the Libby app um, and just getting these from um, the library, which has just been 
like so fun. And all I do is I get on the Libby app and I look at what's available. I've learned that you are in for a heartbreak if you get on there looking for a book that you particularly want to listen to because it is never available. So I just scroll through what's available. But man, um, I have been listening to a few less podcasts um, than usual lately because I've just been really into the audiobook thing. And, and part of that also is that I had to get a new phone. My phone had issues and I lost all the podcasts that I had subscribed to. So I'm sort of slowly adding them back in, but um, just kind of feeling the, the audiobook thing right now. But um, one thing I did want to talk about is my son is... Um, doing his summer work for his AP classes and the for his AP English class they have to read All the Light We Cannot See and this is a book that I read for book club um, like I think we decided it was like four or five years ago because I have it on um, Kindle I had to surrender my Kindle to him and so that he could read it and um, it's one of those World War II books that I'm so fond of and as a matter of fact we read a whole slew of them when I was in this book club that is a whole other story did not work out for me but um, it's about a little it, it follows between a little German boy and a little blind French girl and it's all about the like the Nazi occupation of France and and how their lives um, overlap and it, it was a lovely book um, it's quite long but it was I don't you know it's funny I, I'm the worst book reviewer ever but it because so, I never know exactly what to say. But if you like that time period, um, it's 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 a great story. It's very well paced. He's loving it because they're short chapters and they alternate between the two characters. So it kind of keeps him interested. It was funny. I went and looked at Goodreads at some of the reviews before I recorded it. And um, people either loved or hated that, how it kept changing perspectives. I do remember thinking that I preferred one storyline over the other. So when it would switch, I'd be like, oh, no, I want to go back to that one. But uh, he he seems to be loving them equally. But that got me thinking about all the um, the World War II books that uh, we read in book club, including The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, which is also about um, Nazi-occupied France, and it follows two sisters. Um, and one of them's in the resistance, and one of them, her husband goes away, and um, and then she has to, you know, like host um, one uh, a Nazi in her home, and just how that all all goes. So that uh, that's another one that people either seem to love it or hate it, um, but I enjoyed that one. And then the last one is called Lilac Girls by Martha Hall Kelly, and that is about um, Nazi. Uh, when they invaded Poland. And I didn't know a lot about that and um, kind of the crazy things that went on in concentration camps and the, this sounds so awful because it was, but the, the medical experiments that they did on concentration camp, people to figure out um, how to help their own Nazi soldiers, you know, how to treat certain things. So they would do these experiments. It was just so awful. But it was actually a story that is somewhat based um, on on real people. And so that I did a little digging into that after we read that story to find out how the author wrote that book. And that was very interesting. So that's the, the Lilac Girls. Um, from a TV show perspective, what I've been watching, I've got nothing interesting to report. I'm just still completely watching all the things that I've been watching. Madam Secretary, still loving it. I'm catching up on The Flash, which is funny. <laughs> 
Um, loving that. I think we're going to cancel Hulu and I'm going to get the CBS All Access because I really, I want to watch the Star Trek Discovery, which I talked about last last time. And maybe The Good Fight, which is the um, offshoot from The Good Wife. And that's, so, so I think we'll just cancel Hulu for a little while and enjoy something else. But what we have been doing is going to movies, which is a little unusual for us. We're not usually people <laughs> that will spring for going to the movies. But um, there was a couple movies that my husband wanted to see. And so we went and saw um, Yesterday as a family. And I knew nothing about it. I kind of like going into to books and movies where I don't know anything about them. And I'm just, you know, delightfully surprised. But um, Yesterday is about a musician who um, is struggling and something happens with him and he wakes up in a world where the Beatles never existed. <laughs> and um, it's very interesting. And, and so he keeps making these little references and people don't know it. And it's so the story, the, the whole story is about what he does with the fact that um, he's the only person that knows about all this brilliant music that the Beatles had, have, had made. And this is fun for our family because our kids were very into the Beatles um, when they were younger. Um, as a matter of fact, my son, who's a guitar player, when he was, um, I don't know how old, 10 or 11, he was basically working his way through learning like every song on Abbey Road. And like, so it's like very, um, part of our family origin story is how into the Beatles we were. So that was really, it was a, totally delightful movie. I so highly recommend it. Um, and then my husband and I went and saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Again, knew nothing about it, except for the Brad Pitt was in it, and that he looks really good without a shirt. <laughs> um, it's a Quentin Tarantino uh, movie, which I am not a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. I have a hard time with violence. and um, But that, that was a fun movie. It really was. There, It was like basically from a violence perspective, about a rough five minutes and and that was it which I just spent with my eyes closed and my fingers in my ears and humming softly to myself <laughs> until we got through that um but yeah it was um it was good I would definitely recommend it it's an r-rated movie so um I don't know even though my kids are older we just we went on our own now here's the funny one um, once I realized that um, my youngest was going back to school in two weeks, I'm like, we haven't done enough fun things together with the kids. So I started like, we need to go to mini golf. We need to go bowling. Ultimately, we decided on going to um, a movie and, um, you know, just like went to a matinee and we're looking through them like, what do we want to see here? And they picked Toy Story 4. And um, of these three movies we've seen in the last two weeks, I think that might have been my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> now, my kids totally grew up, you know, with Toy Story. And um, Toy Story 3, we all agreed. Um, I don't remember a ton about it now, but apparently I've been told we all agreed that that was a really good ending to Toy Story. Like it was time to walk away from the Toy Story universe. So we were skeptical about Toy Story 4, but we now have all agreed that it was uh, delightful. It could end there. I don't know if they'll continue it or not, but it, it was a it was a really good one. You know how often they're just, they're pushing it too far. But um, I have a friend who, when she describes like a movie that she really likes, she says, I laughed, I cried, I clapped my hands. And that is exactly how I felt about Toy Story 4. I laughed, I cried, I clapped my hands. I seriously did all those things. I was also like a little bit terrified in a few places. My son leaned over to me at one point and said, this is so stressful. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of good things about it. So anyways, I think it's hilarious that I thought it was so good, but I really completely um, enjoyed that. And next month 
in September is when the Downton Abbey movie comes out. And I keep seeing, seeing trailers for it. Um, it honestly, I will, I'm not sure it looks that good. <laughs> it's just a matter of visiting old friends. But from what I can tell, the major conflict in the Downton Abbey movie appears to be that the queen is coming for lunch. <laughs> And this seems to be a very stressful event. So, yeah, um, plot-wise, I'm just... Maybe there's more to it than that, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's uh, really that compelling of a story. But of course, of course, I will go see it. Uh, my daughter will go with me, and we will, in fact, go have high tea at this place. Um, if you listen, if you're local to me at all in Camarillo called All About Tea, they do this high tea for lunch. And we will totally do that before we go see it. So that will be really fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, kind of unusual, but just kind of fun to to be going and seeing some movies in an actual theater and not just on Netflix. Let's move on to homemaking. Even though I've been a little bit uninspired um, with my quilting and knitting and things like that, you know what? I think a lot of my creative energy is just going towards stuff in the house because yeah, I'm just, I'm like getting a little bit of a high out of all the uh, decluttering and kind of fixing things that were bothering me. So um, I've just continued to work my way through the house. Um, this last week, actually, my son Jonah helped me. We went through the game cabinet, which did not, we did not get rid of as many things as I thought we would. I guess we've been through that pretty, pretty recently. But now we really only have games that are either classics um, or things that we really want to play now. So that was kind of fun. And I found in this cabinet that we have like all these art supplies that I completely forgot about, like up in some vast corner there. So that was kind of a, a good idea. We just went through all that, got rid of all the little stamps and sticker books and all these Play-Doh. <laughs> It was crazy. So, so really created some space. And then I was on such a high about that, that I went through the laundry room cabinets. And now half of the laundry room cabinets in my laundry room are empty. There's literally nothing on the shelves. And Gretchen Rubin talks about this, that somewhere in your house, you should have an empty shelf. <laughs> and I have two now, and it's very exciting. So, so yeah, just, um, I think I took about another four bags to Goodwill after that. Um, as I've been going through this, though, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about dealing with sentimental items. Now, I know Marie Kondo has her own way of dealing with sentimental items, which has a lot to do with taking photographs of them and then throwing them away. Um, I know that I am a person that takes all kinds of pictures with my phone and then I, you know, because I want to remember this quilt or this recipe or this thing. And then I never, ever, ever look at them. So I don't think that that is a good method for me. Um, so what I've done, because um, I, I also went through my nightstand, which was full of like Mother's Day past stuff and old calendars. So I was able to kind of really go through that stuff. And the, underneath my nightstand, like I've got stuff in my drawer, but there's a little door that whole area is empty right now, which just makes me very, very happy. Um, so what I have um, is I have a large, I don't know, a, a medium-sized box. It actually, it's a cardboard box that looks like a suitcase. <laughs> it has little latches. I just got it at like Michael's or something. And that is my box for holding my sentimental items from my kids. So I went through, you know, I kind of saved everything from every Mother's Day, every like random drawing. And I, I kept a lot of it, but I also like, if, if this was some like random drawing, it didn't have a name on it or anything, you know, like, I don't even know who that's from. I got rid of it. So I kind of very quickly, I did not spend a ton of time 
um, going through this, but I kind of just put them together and just everything is in one box. And I just kind of figure, and now my kids are older, so there's way less stuff going into that box these days. They just, they're giving me so many fewer adorable drawings than they did when they were younger. But I just figured I've got one box and all the sentimental items from my kids' childhood, including even, you know, like the, um, the programs from the plays they were in and stuff like that, which I thought about, like, do I want to keep these? I decided I, I did. Um, and, and it's like, I mentally am like, this is, this is the one box and, and it can't, what I'm saving can't be bigger than this. This is like what I've decided is enough. And I, I think about this um, graphic I saw one time from um, my big fat Greek wedding, where the grandmother gives the, the girl this box with decorated with shells and it has like these, her, her treasures in it. And it's a small box and it's just a few very meaningful things in it. And you know, and the graphic I saw was like that versus like, this is a very well curated things of things that are important to me that I would like to pass on to you versus her standing in front of a storage unit that is packed to the gills. Like here, this is now yours. It, that nobody wants that. So, um, so I figure I, I'm a mom, I can be sentimental about things, but it has to stay within this one box. And so that's kind of working for me. It's on the top of the closet. I can easily add the odd, you know, paper or whatever that, that I come across that I want to keep. Um, but it's not out of control and it's all in one place. So that's kind of been, been working for me. Um, the other thing, you know, under the, the idea of dealing with um, nagging things is there were a number of things in the kitchen that you know, just kind of weren't working for me, but I just wasn't doing anything about them. I'm like, just minor things like, um, I hated the, the whisk, you know, and I make me you know, use a whisk for brownies or there's a number of things I use a whisk for. And I had replaced it a while ago, but it turned out I bought it online. And it was silicone. So it's really, it's too flimsy. So just like one day I sat down and I ordered new whisks. I ordered a new coffee grinder because I realized I've had a coffee grinder for 25 years. That blade has got to be dull. <laughs> I could spend 20 bucks on a new coffee grinder. And the other thing that I'm super excited about from an environmental standpoint is I got an oil sprayer um, so that I don't have to buy like, you know, Pam anymore um, because we kind of go through that stuff fast and, you know, it's got a propellant in it that's apparently not really healthy and it's just creating stuff that can't be recycled. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I really like this one. I used to have this one called Misto, where you had to kind of pump to get some pressure going and then it would spray. But this one's just like a pump sprayer, kind of like, you know, like um, non-aerosol hairspray. You know how you just pump it and it's glass. And so, and it's kind of cute enough to keep on the counter. And uh, so I'm really enjoying the fact that now I can just fill that up with the good oils that I like to use. And you can even... Um, put like like salad dressing in it you know like oil and vinegar um type thing if you're into the you know like using less dressing where you can kind of spray it you know so thought that was kind of interesting but that has been working really well and it's just um every time i go to use these things you know i think i spent you know 40 dollars total replacing like four things <laughs> in the in the kitchen things that i use every day and I'm just like, why am I skimping on these things? Like we, we can afford to like buy a decent metal whisk, you know? So anyways, I just encourage you to look at the things that are nagging at you, that are bothering you and figure like, can I spend five minutes and fix this? And um, I've done that about 10 times over the house, around the house this summer. And 
I kind of notice it every time we fix the screen door and, um, you know, we don't have to use an old piece of wood to keep it open anymore. You know, just all these little things. So anyways, as Gretchen Rubin would say, spend out, spend out on the things that, um, you know, that you use that, uh, that you will notice every day. And the last thing I want to talk about, um, I had said before that I wanted to talk about one simple swap, something that you can easily um, swap out in your life that would be more environmentally friendly. I talked about wool dryer balls um, a while ago. And today I just want to talk about cloth napkins. Um, we kind of don't use hardly any paper products, um, paper towels and napkins in our house anymore. And, um, and I really like it. So, you know, we can just talk about how they're clear cutting old growth forests to make these paper things that we just throw away, you know, after one use. Um, so I think we all know that the things like cloth napkins are um, probably a better choice. And we went to them years ago. I think it was Soul Mama that kind of encouraged, um, that inspired me to do that. So this is how we do it. I have collected different um, cloth napkins over the years. I've never made them myself, um, although I should. <laughs> Um, but a lot of the ones we have are a little bit thicker and I just, you know, I'll look the, look at the sale aisle, you know, aisle at Kohl's. We've purchased several from Target. My favorite ones right now are from Target from the, that Magnolia collection. Um, they're like black and white stripes and when they get old and stained, I just toss them, you know, I just kind of find them on sale when I can. And how it works for us is that everybody in our family has a different napkin ring and, um, here's a thing that I learned that might, I don't know, maybe I'm going to grocery out right now, but you don't necessarily need a new napkin every single time that you use it. So we put them out at dinner and, you know, like they are often not really dirty. And so we will use them a couple times and you, that's where you just put it in your own napkin ring and we have a drawer that everyone just throws them in afterwards. And, and I just pull them out at lunch. I pull them out for breakfast and, you know, very easily just, you know, throw them in the wash. And I don't think they create that much more, um, laundry or anything like that and so but the yeah the secret is is that I'm not going through 15 of them every day like five people three meals they they last they last a couple meals so that's kind of um that works pr pretty well for us and um yeah one of these days I'm totally going to learn how to use the hemming foot on my sewing machine and I will sew up some really funky ones but uh, for now we just have this whole and so I I absolutely um, they don't match, you know, I don't really worry about, you know, that, that, that everybody is using the same color or anything like that. It's a whole mismatch, which I kind, kind of find charming. All of our, um, our napkin rings are just put together, you know, like, uh, you know, who has cute ones is, um, cost plus world market is like, we have a few of them from there and people, they got to pick their own when they were young. And, um, I've always thought about getting ones that had initials on them, but I've never gotten, gotten around to that. So anyway, so that's my one simple swap for, um, for this week. And I guess that is about it. I checked reviews and there was no new reviews. Um, actually I should, I was going to check the last time I recorded. So I'm not sure if I thanked Janet M. I might have, um, already thanked her. But again, I encourage you to um, rate and or review the podcast. It helps other people find it. And um, it's always fun to read. So I hope that you are having a lovely summer slash winter wherever you are and that you are, um, yeah, just finding creative ways to fill your days. And I hope you've got a little more, um, getting a little more done on your quilting. <laughs> And creative endeavors than I am but I love to hear from you feel free to leave comments or dm me it's great to hear from you and I just hope that you have a great day